Welcome to Nourishing Lives. I'm Enika, founder of Nourish, where we make super snacks for super people. As a nurse and a functional medicine practitioner, I'm passionate about health, nutrition and well-being. Every month I'll be interviewing some of the inspirational people I've met since starting Nourish, from health and well-being experts to fellow founders. Join us as we seek a more nourishing life. Welcome to the Nourishing Lives podcast. Today we have with us Karen Newby. Karen Newby is a nutritional therapist with over 10 years of clinical experience. She holds a BSc in nutritional medicine and is registered with BAND and the CNHC. She is the author of The Natural Menopause Method, which is a nutritional guide to perimenopause and beyond. And she runs a specialist menopause clinic and hosts regular retreats, corporate talks and workshops on the subject. She has helped countless women on their road to midlife vitality, and she is very much a complementary practitioner, often working with GP menopause specialists and women on HRT. Her approach is highly practical, realistic and achievable as we deal with very low bandwidth in amongst our turbocharged modern day world. Welcome, Karen. Lovely to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolute pleasure. So today we are going to talk a little bit about perimenopause. So I wondered if you'd mind starting our conversation, just sort of explaining what, what is perimenopause? Okay, well, it's a, it's a relatively new term, actually, and it really describes the period leading up to menopause. And actually, menopause is really just one day. It's um, the day that you haven't had a period for a year. So we're always kind of like looking back, if you like. Um, but the sort of the perimenopausal journey is when we get a lot of kind of often uncomfortable symptoms or changes um, as our body gets used to lower levels of estrogen and progesterone. So it's that kind of, it's usually around four or five years. Um, it can be longer, it can be shorter. Um, but yes, that's that's the kind of the, the, the what the term means. And obviously post-menopause as well, um, you can still have those symptoms too sometimes. So really what I talk about is that whole kind of overarching pre and post-menopausal period. Mm -hmm. I really like that point actually you mentioned about menopause being a day. Mm -hmm. um, I think often we sort of lump everything into menopause. Yeah. <laughs> so that's that's really helpful. So so tell me sort of when we're looking at the perimenopause um, sort of post that one day as well, um, does your body need nourishing in different ways during that period of time? Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, for a lot of us, we've spent our whole lives looking after everyone else except ourselves. And suddenly the wheels start to fall off or our kind of our toolkit that we've had in our 20s, 30s and early 40s doesn't kind of work anymore. So certainly when it comes to things like weight loss um, or things like fatigue um, and um other issues start to manifest and it's like oh my goodness i really is this is this what middle age is and is this going to get worse um, the older i get so i think women are forced to stop and actually for the first time in their lives often is start to nourish themselves more and absolutely we need a a therapeutic diet at menopause, although I don't like the word diet, but um, rather than a sort of a, a balanced one, which is kind of bounded mm -hmm. around in the media, my whole kind of um, field of work is kind of put down to, well, if you eat a balanced diet um, at menopause, that will help and do exercise. And it's like, well, what does a balanced diet mean? And yeah. um, for me, it's um, about a, a high nutrient dense diet, yeah. really. Um, 
to help us through this stage, um, yeah. which, yeah, it's, it's, it's hugely beneficial. But yeah, it does take, we do need to change things up most definitely. Absolutely. And I think that, you know, you're so right in, in the media. And, you know, when you go to, you know, surgeon practitioners, you'll hear, have a balanced diet. And how confusing is that information? Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. And when yeah. you look at the UK Eat Well plate, um, you know, or the Eat Badly plate, yeah. <laughs> it's full of refined carbohydrates, it's full of ultra processed foods, it's full of gluten, it's full of, um, you know, low nutrient dense foods. And it's, mm-hmm. you know, it's just not really helpful. Whereas in Australia, uh, for example, they have, um, you know, five portions of vegetables and three portions of fruit, so eight a day, whereas in the UK, we even struggle to get five a day, and most of those would be fruit as opposed to vegetables. So um, for me, it is about being more vegan. I mean, I'm not vegan, but um, I think we don't get enough nutrient-dense plants into our diet. Um or often our meal at the end of the day is the most nutrient dense, but we mm-hmm. haven't sort of nourished ourselves at breakfast and lunch at all, which is why at three o'clock we're running on empty and wanting to raid the snack drawers um, or can't stop eating because suddenly, you know, the body is crying out for for fuel, which we haven't mm-hmm. given it the whole day. So, so many points you raise in there, 100% agree. I think, you know, those other meals during the day and, you talk about nourishing yourself with, you know, I know you mentioned vegan. Um, I don't know if you read very much of Mark Hyman, but I'm I'm a fan of some of his books. And, you know, he sort of talks about the vegan diet where you know, lots of, you know, plants, lots of colourful plants, um, mm. but still putting in good quality fat and protein as well. Um, and not just leaving it, like you said, to the, the meal at the end of the day, which we're all guilty of, or sort of a few token broccoli or, you know, salad leaves. Um, yeah. Yes, so, exactly. Yeah, tell me a little bit more then. If you're thinking sort of about having it as balanced um, and you want to change some of your you know, your nutrition needs have changed, um, you're wanting to have nutrient-rich foods, what would be three top nutrition trip tips that you would tell mm. women yeah. in that period of time? The, the reason why um, I talk about nutrient-dense foods is, is like you say, our body cha- has changed uh, or is changing. And one of the key um, issues at perimenopause is obviously fluctuating estrogen and progesterone Mm -hmm. levels. And estrogen is involved with our immune system. Um, It helps us be more sensitive to insulin, for example. So it affects our blood sugar control, um, which is why at menopause, uh, at perimenopause, we can start to get dysregulation of blood sugar, for example, which means that sometimes we can have high levels of blood sugar and then suddenly low levels of blood sugar as estrogen kind of dips and increases and dips again. Um, And this can lead to more cravings um, and more kind of, um, uh, you know, hangry, feeling shaky, faint, etc. Then we have this estrogen and our immune system. So our estrogen is is almost acts like an anti-inflammatory um, on the whole, I mean, it does have some pro-inflammatory roles as well, but on the whole, it's anti-inflammatory. So when estrogen starts to dip, we can start to get more inflammation in the body. Mm. 
which is a really broad term, but in essence, it means, um, you know, we need inflammation in the body if we cut ourselves and things like this, but this, this means that inflammation can go a bit out of control. Um, and we can start to get things like aches and pains, for example. And for some women pre-menopause, or if you're in perimenopause, because we can still be cycling normally in perimenopause for a couple of, you know, a number of years, which is why a lot of women don't realize they're in men- perimenopause. Yeah. But, you know, if you're still cycling normally, um, often women just before their periods get that achy pain thing Um, and that's because estrogen is the lowest so we we can be having these kinds of symptoms throughout our normal cycles um, even before menopause hits Um, so estrogen um, you know so we can become more inflamed and actually research shows or research has recently stated that uh, menopause is now a a pro-inflammatory event or a pro-inflammatory stage in our lives and this can also make our head really Really foggy as well so the brain doesn't like too much sugar and it doesn't like too many toxins either so two of those kinds of areas where estrogen is affecting our immune system and our blood sugar can, can exacerbate this foggy head and you know that's terribly discombobulating for women when we feel like oh my goodness am i getting dementia um yeah. you know, especially if we have mothers or fathers with alzheimer's in the family you know it's a really scary thing to be experiencing and mm. For me, that's why I like working with women at this age, because um, I want to keep them in work. I want them to feel, you know, we're often at the top of our careers. I want them to be around the boardroom table and remember what they're talking about um, or who their colleagues are called, what their colleagues are called. Whereas a lot of women do lose um, confidence because of this brain fog. Yeah. So anyway, with the sort of three kind of things to change up, I suppose. Um, And my my three biggest things, my three biggest bits of advice, one would be to increase nutrient dense foods. So what do I mean by that? Well, I mean, um, rainbow colored foods, I mean, Mm Um, as much as possible cooking from scratch so that we can um, make the most of these nutrient dense foods because processed foods, you know, that a lot of those key nutrients like vitamin C and B bits, which are very unstable, have often been lost in in processing. Um, And to increase things like berries and plums and pomegranates and beetroot and, you know, if you're suffering with brain fog, you know, our brain needs about 30% of all our oxygen. So we need good circulation. We need good iron. We need good um, beetroot as well um, to help circulation too. Um, And things like, you know, even our citrus fruits, but things like apricots and cherries, these all have, um, a lot of these have um, something in it called, well, they all have antioxidant rich phytonutrients Mm. in them including flavonoids and flavonoids you know have been shown to help support the blood-brain barrier to help you know um support uh to get rid of these kind of free radicals in the brain which can lead to foggy head but also around our musculoskeletal system as well you know flavonoids have been shown to help support um good joint health for example um, so, you know, they work in a lot of number of ways, things like brassicas, you know, your broccoli, your cabbage, your kale, your cauliflower, these are all incredibly important for our liver and mm. our liver is important to help get rid of excess estrogen, which can be hyperstimulated bizarrely. We always think of it as being low at, mm. at the start of perimenopause, but can actually get a hyperstimulation. Um, and this helps with, you know, support good estrogen detoxification through the liver. And then my number two would be to um, work on blood sugar balancing. So as I said, estrogen can affect our ability to handle glucose because of its link with insulin. 
And for me, it is about, um, it's never about stripping sugar out of your diet. I'm all about what can we put in. And the more good yeah. stuff that we can put in, the more the body doesn't crave so much of the rubbish. Absolutely. So, you know, I am about the 80-20 rule, 80% good stuff, 20%, your 20% rubbish your body can handle. So it's just about having protein, more protein at every mm -hmm. single meal and snack. Um, this is the best way to sort out blood sugar imbalances if you get that shaky, faint thing. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, if we don't store protein in the body. You know, we need to be supporting the muscle mass. We don't want to be frail when we're older. Um, and, you know, protein is, um, it's like putting coal onto our energy fire. The flames don't burn as bright, but they burn for longer. They increase satiety, um, warmth in the body as well. And then my third point would be to um, assess your caffeine. Um, if you are really super stressed, if you're finding life quite overwhelming at the moment, if your energy is, at, you know, zero, um, caffeine, unfortunately, can kind of um, give us a short burst of energy. But I always say a caffeine will only last you, a cup of tea or coffee will only last you to the next one. And actually, for a lot of us, we are kind of slaves to caffeine. Mm. Um, I recently went, de well, no, a, a number of years ago now, went decaf. And nowadays, you can get really amazing decaf coffee when you're out. You can get no. amazing decaf pods, fresh, freshly ground decaf, your favorite coffee. Um, so it doesn't, ha you know, it's not like it was five years ago. Um, and for me, it's, it's really helped with that sort of three o'clock slump and with sleep. If you have any issues with sleep, the, the biggest, easiest win is to assess your caffeine. Because I think a lot of us go through the day not even realizing that we're um, drinking tea or coffee it just is such a sort of a ritual if you like yeah. and we sort of passively do it so they would be my three kind of pointers but obviously yeah. lots of other stuff too yeah I think that caffeine one's actually a really interesting point um you know certainly I know when you're busy and if you're uh, your mum as well you know that sometimes can replace a meal and then you wonder why you feel so hangry and you've had you know these big slumps in the afternoon but you've lived off sort of three or four lattes in the morning keep you going and um yes that whole combination is it, sort of not having then proper meals combined with having caffeine highs constantly um yeah it, it's not a great combination yeah and i think the problem is is that we um if you're really really stressed you wake up every day hoping for a better outcome and the better yeah. outcome doesn't come because um we're so tired we you know we reach for caffeine and we, we reach for sugar you know if you have a a low of blood sugar, you're not going to want to eat broccoli. You're going to want to eat biscuits. Um, Absolutely. That's a, that's a sort of a stress response. That, yeah. you know, the body is 20,000 years old and it's struggling to mm. deal with our modern day world. That's, that's yeah. the nub of it, really. You know, our, my mother went through menopause when she, when I was, sorry, she, my mother had me at 23. So she went through menopause after I'd left the home. I, you know, I left university, I'd started a job when she went through mm -hmm. menopause. Whereas for us, we're choosing a lot of the time to have our children much later, which is great. But, mm -hmm. you know, we, we have this kind of heady mix of teenagers or young kids in the, in the house when we're going through. And it's mm -hmm. you know, that's at, on top of all the other, you know, life load of, of being in the top of our careers, which a lot of our mothers didn't have because they wouldn't be working or they would be working part time or, you know, so modern day menopause, you know, I think a lot of the reasons why we suffer so much is because of life load. 
hundred percent. Actually, it's a really, really valid point about something I've not really considered about how much younger they were when they had us as children. Um, yeah, and then sort of what we then have to cope with going through perimenopause and menopause. So that's really interesting. What would you say um, we might consider limiting or quitting? You've mentioned caffeine. Yeah, well, caffeine is is definitely one to assess. And as I say, you know, if you are a real caffeine, you know, if you really need it, then I would recommend just enjoying one or two cups with breakfast mm. and then for the rest of the day, herbal teas and, and water. Um, but on waking to have um, a hot water and lemon or a hot water and sliced ginger instead of the caffeine, because I think that's what a yeah. lot of a lot of us make the mistake with is that we have caffeine as soon as we wake up, which immediately kind of shunts us into sort of survival mode. You know, it gives mm -hmm. us lots of energy. It mobilizes stored um, glucose from our liver to zoom around the body. And it also stops us making us feel hungry as well. And for me, breakfast is, is such a big, big thing for me. So yeah. things to also assess are, um, you know, the other stimulants, which are sugar, um, but again, not to strip it out, but to add in more proteins, good fats, fiber, um, you know, from non-gluten grains and all of, you know, cooking more plant-based meals. The advantage of cooking more plant-based meals is they don't take long to cook. Yeah, I agree. And they're also much cheaper at the moment with especially oh. versus meat and fish. Um, and then alcohol, that's the other thing. For a lot of us, as we reach midlife, alcohol becomes less it, you know, the hangovers get worse um, just because our liver is, you know, working really hard and, um, you know, alcohol, the liver prioritizes detoxification of alcohol above anything else. That's how toxic the liver thinks alcohol is. Um, so, again, just like with caffeine, enjoying alcohol with food as opposed to eating on an empty stomach. Um, certainly in the UK, there is a big kind of, um, you know, it, it's so embedded in our culture to drink. And, you know, there's often if you say you're not mm -hmm. drinking and you turn up to a dinner party, it's like, oh, why aren't you drinking? So I'd recommend yeah. you just take the glass of wine or whatever from your host. And, and a lot of the time they won't even notice that you haven't drunk from it. Um, they, you know, there's a lot of pressure, I think, in the UK, whereas in America, for example, you can easily be, you know, not drinking and no one really cares. Yeah. Um, so, but alcohol, yeah, it's, I, I'm very much about, and I do drink alcohol. Um, I'm very much about quality over quantity, yeah. um, you know, to enjoy a really lovely, expensive glass of wine or, you know, instead of Prosecco going for your champagne, even though that one glass of champagne might cost as much as half a bottle of wine, um, you know, just to savor it and be mindful of it um, and enjoy it. And and also enjoy the fact that the next day you're not going to be having the most horrific hangover because hangovers do get worse and, you know, they can last two days now. It's, it's you know, yeah, versus my teenage boys, it's, it's very annoying. <laughs> they, they just <laughs> fly through. It's really irritating. Um, yes. So, yeah, they would be my three main things, but I'm really not about, um, you know, taking things away because we're really overwhelmed. Um, we're really stressed out. So for me, it's about swapping that mindset into, okay, what can I add in? So, for example, yeah. a lot of women um, have a glass of wine every evening if they really have had a really stressful day. So by fueling yourself more at breakfast and lunch and having really healthful snacks in the afternoon, um, 
and then having a, a nourishing evening meal, you'll you won't you won't feel so stressed by the time it gets to five thirty or six o'clock because you will have fueled yourself. Mm. Um, because alcohol is liquid sugar, and you know we're, we're often drinking that because it you know sorts the blood sugar out as well. Yeah. Um, so having you know fresh mint tea um, post your evening meal um, is very cleansing. You know I love chamomile tea, um, you know peppermint tea, um, and and then just choosing, you know, nights of the week where you're not drinking um, mm. will, will really help. But as soon as you say, oh, you can't do something, then that makes you want it even more. So for me, it's just about changing up the habits um, by um, changing the cues, really. Yeah. Um, and that, that's associated, isn't it? You know, additionally, like having a glass of wine associated with relaxation, you know, yeah. pouring, even just the act of pouring it in mm -hmm. and then sitting there. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've, I've certainly found even with some of the people I see is that you know, even if they do kombucha a couple of times a week into a into a wine glass and still sit there as though they're having a nice glass of wine, you know, it's, it's, it's all those associations of habits yeah. and, and sort yeah. of jacking those within what that means for them, you know, emotionally or whatever it might be. Um, yeah. And that's Absolutely. really, really helpful. Yeah. As the saying goes, you know, habits are too light to be felt but too heavy to be broken, you know, yeah. that's um, a Warren Buffett quote. Um, but it's like the afternoon tea or coffee, um, if you change that up for a fresh mint tea, it doesn't go as well, say, with biscuits, for example, you can't dump yeah. biscuits in. And then you're you're more open to having falafels or having some of your lovely healthful, helpful snacks. Um, mm. It goes much better versus, you know, the refined rubbish. And for a lot of us, we're working at home now with hybrid working, and that is the issue with um, <clears throat> what's in our <clears throat> cupboards, as it were. Um, but I'm certainly not about calorie counting. I don't subscribe to dieting. Um, I think it sets women up to fail. I can't bear the diet mm. industry, really. Yeah. Um, so it's all about just making sure that you've got your one step ahead of those cravings. So having nourishing snacks in because if yeah. you've got things like crisps and biscuits you will eat them until they're yeah. gone <laughs> yeah i think it's almost it's almost changing your taste buds over time that you're in control of food rather than feeling food is in control of you mm -hmm. that you know how your body feels after you've had certain foods mm -hmm. and, it, and i think once you feel that you're in control of what you eat it's no longer a diet or a prescription way of eating it's it's feeling as though food is fueling you and it's sort of getting to that point isn't it Absolutely. It's a kind of rewiring that happens because the body does want to be in balance at perimenopause, you know, or, or throughout, even if you're not in perimenopause, the body does want to be well. And I think the more that you feed it the good stuff, the more it starts to crave it. And then That's your palate starts to change. Because mm. if, you're, if you've got a really sweet palate, um, then you're not going to want to enjoy vegetables because you just won't like the taste. And that's the issue that I have with things like stevia um, and, um, you know, all of the kind of the sweeteners is that they're so much sweeter than sugar, 180 mm. times much, that it, it then creates this kind of sweet taste. And also our reward system thinks something sugary is coming and it doesn't happen and then it makes us crave it even more. Yeah, I agree, actually. And, you know, there are a few products I like that have got things like stevia or erythritol on them. But I think it, it has to be a very cleverly done way where they only put a small amount in where it doesn't taste overly sweet. Mm. Um, but they definitely over add in to almost compensate for people expecting it to not be sweet. 
yeah but that it, again it doesn't doesn't sort of help the whole habit formation does it like you say because your body's still thinking well it's something sweet you know still wanting that then every afternoon yeah absolutely yeah, absolutely yeah, yeah the palate thing is definitely something that needs changing yeah i agree um, actually, I think sometimes we we underestimate like little children. You look at them and they, you know, they all of a sudden go through stages of craving broccoli or they, you know, eat olives just straight. And I think they are more in tune sometimes with their palate than we are as adults because we've sort of numbed it by packaged processed foods and things like that. You know, I think um, really sometimes yeah, parents can make them. Um, you know children's food choices become narrower and narrower if you have a fussy kid yeah. and then suddenly they're just left with very beige refined carbs and mm. you know it's um yeah it is an, it is an issue with kids certainly if they're fussy eaters yeah yeah tricky so from a lifetime lifestyle perspective what do you think um would be helpful for people to consider limiting or quitting changing well, I think for me, it's about, um, well, starting to, to put yourself up the to-do list because I think a lot of women put themselves aren't at the top and even our pets are above us on the to-do list. So that's one thing that I want us to stop, not caring for other people, obviously, but caring for ourselves more um, and actually thinking about ourselves more. And factoring into our day um, movement, it doesn't have to be exercise, it can just be movement, you know, um, exercise can be quite triggering, but even just going for a walk, if we've, if we've been really stressed, if we've had a lot of stress, then the body is primed to do something physical, it's in survival mode. So actually going for a walk or just dancing around the kitchen or just shaking our body can really help um, get rid of that excess cortisol. So things like that, just, um, you know, because I think, you know, those of us who have male partners, you know, they do it very well. They will go out for a run or they will exercise, even if the house is a complete tip or yeah. they will sit down if there's loads of other things to do and watch some TV. And I don't, you know, my partner would not begrudge me doing the same thing. And I think women can be a bit martyr-like. Um, Absolutely. And I, I don't think they require us to be like that i think it's just something that is embedded within us that sort of need to be able to cope and to keep on top of everything and that often goes at the expense of um in making time to exercise or move and, and also making time to cook as well yeah. because yeah. we have this such a we live in such a kind of a high-paced turbocharged world that you know even our food has to be really quick um and this is where you know for me it is about um putting you know all of the food that I cook is no more than sort of 45 minutes from start to finish um, but it is about thinking about what to eat at the start of the day do I need to get something out of the freezer have I got the ingredients do I need to on my you know if I've been really stressed do I need to walk to the shops for five minutes and back to help with my stress load but also to get ingredients I might need and just knowing what you're going to cook at the start of the day or thereabouts um, means that you're just you're prepared um, I think for a lot of us with hybrid working, um, especially for those of us who work with um, the States and, and Asia, you know, this has kind of extended out our work day quite often. Mm -hmm. um, and this is, you know, boundary setting is really important. Boundary setting is really important. Even when we've been cycling normally, you know, certainly in those times, PMS times or times um, when we're on our period where we feel really tired <clears throat> or just a bit, you know, just wanting to sort of come away from things a bit. So boundary settings really important. But I think for women of 
my generation, I think our daughters will, you know, sail through all of these so much better than we did because they do talk about hormones and they do, um, you know, uh, discuss things more. And obviously we're paving the way for perimenopause for them to be much more talked about even at schools. And hopefully by then all medical students will learn about the menopause, even though it's not, it's not obligatory at the moment, which is crazy. Um, so I think that, um, you know, boundary setting is, is, is important um with your work and and your personal life as well Mm. learning the art of being able to say no i think that's one of the biggest challenges um yeah it's hard isn't it Mm -hmm. so during this period of time sort of I, i know that a lot of people certainly ask me um what what particular supplements can you have and and often i say to them well it depends often on what your balanced diet looks like yeah um, yeah they're not are there other things that are going on in your life you know do you have a lot of stress you know are you eating only a vegan diet or are you having protein so there's lots of different things that come into into play but would you say that there are particular supplements that certainly can help sort of as a general um for women during period yeah, yeah. i mean obviously if you're on any medication then you need to get a bant verified nutritional therapist to do a cross check or your healthcare professional. Um, But I think, um, yeah, supplements are, you know, I take a lot of supplements. Um, I have a great diet, um, but we're so far removed from our natural rhythm um, that I think we do need additional, for example, vitamin C, because if we're more stressed, we are the more the adrenals need a vitamin C to help produce things like adrenaline um, and dopamine, uh, not yeah, adrenaline. Yeah. And dopamine, adrenaline comes from dopamine. Um, But, you know, we do need additional proteins. We do need, um, you know, vitamins, um, certainly the B vitamins, for example, things like B12 and uh, B9 in methylated forms that we can absorb them well. The problem is, though is that the supplement market is um you know a minefield because there's a lot of rubbish products out there that don't for example have methylated b12 and methylated folate um and you know folic acid for some of us we can't tolerate and it's you know so it's about um my rule of thumb really is not to buy from the supermarket to buy from your local health food store because usually the people that work behind these um, independent health food stores know so much and they always have the best supplement ranges there um and these are your independent health food stores i would say um but i think for um most women at perimenopause and and throughout a, a good high you know a good high potency multi with the full minerals and the vitamins mm. is something that is beneficial um yeah. you know so we know that we're getting enough b6 or zinc and copper you know just we've got this kind of baseline going on um so that is that is something that I recommend a lot to my patients in practice. Um, mm. And then things like omega-3 oils, especially if you've really got really dry skin or cracked heels or really foggy head, or if you're very inflamed, if you've got lots of aches and pains and things, you know, if you don't like lots of oily fish, you know, like your sardines and your trouts, mackerels, et cetera, omega-3 supplementation can be very helpful. Um, but just again, to look at the, the back of packs, because some of the pack, some of the oils like cod liver oils are the biggest, you know, one of the really big brand of cod liver oil, you know, you look at the back of pack and it's got like 35% cod liver oil in, and it's like, well, what's the rest of the stuff? So mm-hmm. always go for products that have, you know, small amounts of oils actually, but the high amounts of what we call EPA and DHA, which is the kind of the, um, the, the, the forms of omega-3 that give this anti-inflammatory effect. 
Um, and then, you know, there are other supplements like probiotics. Um, you know, two thirds of our immune system is in the gut. So I use probiotics if I'm starting to feel a bit under the weather, um, although I do take them a lot um, and they help to support the beneficial bacteria in our gut. And, you know, our gut is also our second brain. Yeah. Um, you know, it has the most nerve endings outside of the, the, the central, um, you know, the, the, the brain and the spinal column are in the gut. Um, so we have to, you know, for me, anything to do with the brain is about the guts and vice versa, because they're talking to each other the whole time. So probiotics can be really helpful. And then, you know, if you go and see a practitioner, like a nutritional therapist, um, you know, if you have digestive issues, which often manifest at menopause, um, and these can include things like um, low stomach acid or, you know, food intolerances or lots of bloating, you know, we have to look further up the digestive tract. So this is where stomach acid supplements and digestive enzymes might be helpful. But obviously, these are things that you can, you know, speak with your practitioner about. Yeah. Um, so, you know, obviously, as a practitioners, we have a lot of supplements in our armory to help specific issues. Yeah, those would be my kind of, you know, a good multi a possible probiotic, a good omega three um, would certainly help. And, you know, if you are really stressed, then an additional um, vitamin C as well. Yeah. Yeah. No, I am. Um... I agree. And I think that the point made about it being from particular supplement companies as well, I think is so important um, so that you get something that's actually going to work. You know, um, there's often you can buy something like magnesium oxide and we know or zinc oxide and we know that it's the bioavailability in the body is so minimal compared to if you buy a different form of it. So I think they're working with your local health food store or a practitioner to be able to buy, you know, a good quality supplement it's definitely worth the investment so you actually get the benefits definitely because um, uh, unfortunately some supplements do give other supplements a bad name because you know what's the point you know some of the cheap ones and some of them aren't even that cheap either but the ones that you find in a supermarket or that have been advertised on backs of buses you know it's it's you know what is the point in in having products like that that just aren't bioavailable um it's exactly. i'd rather people spend more on on vegetables really yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. Um, so I know they're taking up, uh, going a little bit over time here. Um, just sort of a couple more questions they've got, which tie in together. So looking sort of at what what one meal of the day would you say is important to get um, than the others? I, I I have sort of an approach that it should be every meal. <laughs> That's right. Um, but if if there was one, if if you could sort of give some idea on that, but also coupled with that, you know, weight gain is often a common occurrence. We talked about that in the very beginning. Um, I think it'd be sort of helpful to talk about the the meals of the day, but also related to to weight gain and certain types of weight that obviously is is normal, and other times are a little bit more dangerous um, to our health. Yeah. So um, the most important meal for me is um, is breakfast. And that's why actually, however overwhelmed you are, if you can just sort of focus in on the first hour of your day, um, and it doesn't, I always say to patients, it doesn't matter what happens the rest of the day, just focus in on that first hour and you'll find that it creates a lovely ripple effect across the day of kind of like this kind of rewiring. Um, so having on waking a glass of water or your hot water and lemon or your hot water with sliced ginger, and then enjoying a protein-rich breakfast. So this is, um, you know, eggs any which way, 
avocado with you know grilled mushrooms and tomatoes that is one of the advantages of hybrid working is that we can spend more time on breakfast you know porridge with but porridge with um ground cinnamon ground cardamom add a couple of heaped tablespoons of ground linseed which is phytoestrogen rich which really helps us at perimenopause these phytoestrogens they're not estrogen but they help to sort of balance highs and lows of estrogen so really part of the kind of the menopausal shopping list if you like so ground yeah. linseed or ground flaxseed couple of heat tablespoons of that for extra protein as well, um, adding in some chopped pears or figs or whatever fruits you've got going around, um, but to have a big bowl. And then I often, when it's um, coming into spring, I then move to bircher. I use rolled oats with my oat milk and cinnamon. I grate ginger on top and I have my linseed and da da da, da. Um, and, and high protein granolas, which you can buy, just make sure that they're, um, you know, they don't have any dried fruit in because that's really increases the fruit, con uh, the sugar content. And just buying granolas with lots of nuts and seeds will, will be fine. And adding in two heaped tablespoons or more of um, full fat yogurt, you know, I really like coconut um, yogurts or almond yogurts, but, you know, full fat or um, organic soy yogurt. Um, you know, and, and some berries as well, just to make it a, a celebration. And if you're going to have your caffeine, just enjoy that with your breakfast. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm all for bringing back, you know, the, the big, the full English of yesteryear. And, you know, I used to live in Asia and the way that they eat breakfast is the same as they eat lunch and, and dinner. It's the mm -hmm. same savory, uh, you know, protein rich meals, because that's when we need the energy and we have such a topsy turvy, life where we're shunting all of our nutrients to the end of the day and no wonder we then suddenly get a second wind um, and can start our day at nine o'clock um, because we've suddenly nourished ourselves the first time often yeah. um, so then so yeah in terms of of weight loss um i always like to position weight loss as a, a nice a sort of a happy side effect really of following um you know some of the things that i've spoken about today and that are in my book um and it it takes away the focus of it because i see so many women in practice that just don't eat um yeah. or feel like they have to you know feel like they're being naughty you know those words like you know very much you know negative words and make us feel guilty um you know that's why I, I really can't bear the diet industry but it is about and it's not about calorie counting because you know if there's one way to take all the enjoyment out of a food it's to know how many calories are in it and um, often if the good food out of your diet by calorie counting them yeah exactly exactly um and for me it's about um you know, the more we can flood our bodies with micronutrients, the more that supports our thyroid and helps our adrenals and helps our metabolic rate. And so it helps our skin, it helps us feel more energized, and then we want to move more. And then the mm -hmm. weight becomes like a happy side effect. It's, you know, I agree. it's it's not being on the scales. It's just about, oh, just, oh, I just feel better in myself. And people are coming up to me saying how well you looked. I had a patient recently who'd gone to get her nails done and um, the manicurist is like, oh, your nail beds are really healthy. And, you know, just things like that, that, um, mm -hmm. you know, make you feel good. Um, and then suddenly it's like, oh, yes. And actually I'm feeling much more comfortable in my clothes because, you know, we go on average, I think it's four diets a year. And as soon as we come off and the weight goes back on, yeah. there's no, um, and I, I think when you position it as just, you know, nourishing, eating as much nutrient dense foods as possible, 
then it doesn't make us then feel like we're depriving ourselves. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, if you have all of the colours and all of the goodness that is available to us to eat, you don't ever feel like you're being deprived, do you? I think. No, exactly. And I'm, I'm a real believer that healthy food doesn't need to be, or helpful food, actually, doesn't need to be bland. Um, that's why um, I've got a... Um, a recipe kind of community page on whisk.com whisk as in what you use to cook with and there's three community pages i have there and one of them is easy low effort midweek meals and you know all the recipes there really don't take long a lot of them are plant-based there is some fish and meat recipes in there as well a lot of them are tray bakes um you know i'm a big fan of the tray bake a because it doesn't much mess and not it's minimal washing up but also you can whack more stuff in there so that you can have leftovers for lunch so you can enjoy that nutrient dense food again the next day and it minimizes effort yeah. as well um so you know i do recommend you add in an extra a new recipe every week don't overwhelm yourself um but you'll you'll notice that it's it's it doesn't you know, using things like herbs and spices. So I cook a lot of Asian food. I cook a lot of you know, even things like stir fries or, mm. um, you know, um, uh, things like um, teriyaki salmon with some noodles and a stir fry is, is really easy, but you're getting all your protein, you're getting loads of different plants. You can add some tofu in there for phytoestrogens. Um, and it, it really doesn't take long at all. Um, so it doesn't need to be... Um, you know, but the, the thing is with herbs and spices, the, this all goes towards your kind of your variety of foods. And it means you yeah. don't need to use salt um, with flavoring um, and things like veggie curries, really easy. And, you know, mm. half an hour from start to finish. And, you know, veggie curries are so delicious the next day as well. Even um, better the next day, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So in, would you say there's anything else um, sort of lifestyle wise or that you'd like to add and how people could help ease their perimenopause symptoms? I mean, I think you've covered so much, um, which is really, really helpful um, for people to hear, I think. And it's encouraging too. You know, I think it does, it's not now about a to-do list. It's about um, optimising what they're doing and adding in. I think it's a really helpful approach. Yeah. Is there anything else that you wanted to add to our conversation so far? I just think it's it's the um, you know it can be a really fulfilling time when suddenly you you get back control and the, everything that I've spoken about today isn't only going to help your menopausal symptoms um, it, it will help support your long term vitality and support your you know support you so that you're you lessen your risk of chronic disease because let's face it we all want to live as long and as healthfully as possible away from chronic disease i mean who knows what's going to happen but i'm all about trying to minimize the um, risks and the wonderful thing about all of these kind of antioxidant rich plants and foods that i've spoken about it will be supporting your cardiovascular health um you know omega-3 is really important for a good you know a good um uh cardio health as well as all the antioxidant magnesium really important for our heart health but all of these foods that i've spoken about as well will also help us um from a musculoskeletal perspective to yeah. support uh, things like osteo you know 
prevent things like osteoarthritis and osteoporosis. And obviously exercise is incredibly important as well, especially when it comes to osteoarthritis, but um, osteoporosis and also Alzheimer's, for example. Um, but, you know, nutrient dense, high antioxidant rich food is going to help support your brain and future proof it. So it, it, th that's the beauty of food. And that's why I love my job is because it's helping on, you know, like they say, there's, there's not, there's no such thing as a vitamin C tree. Um, mm -hmm. You know, you're getting this wonderful kind of complex um, information really from the plants that you're eating or the food that you're eating, which is going to help you in, in lots of different areas. Yeah. Thank you. That is so, um, so powerful, really. Um, and I'm really hopeful that it will, it will help all of our listeners. Um, I just, if, if people want to find out a little bit more, I know you've written a book, Karen, um, and you also run day re retreats. Do you want to tell us a little bit more about that? Um, well, my book is The Natural Menopause Method, A Nutritional Guide to Perimenopause and Beyond, a um, bit of a mouthful. Um, but yeah, that came out last year. And that is a real, it's a kind of a journal book, really. I wanted to make something that was really feminine and there's, you know, there's no pink, um, but it's something that you can scribble on as well. And, you know, you can track your symptoms and there's a big kind of troubleshooting section on foods for specific symptoms like hot flushes and aches and pains, anxiety, low mood, etc. Um, and supplement guides too. Um, and then, yeah, I run day retreats um, all over the country, um, the West Country. I'm going to uh, to Bristol and Devon and also Brighton again in June. Um, and, you know, all of this information you can pick up on my website or on my Instagram. Um, so, yeah, lots Brilliant. of things going on. Brilliant. That sounds great. And um, for those that don't know the website, it's www.karennewby.com. But we'll pop it in the podcast notes and also um, in the link below the podcast. Um, Karen, it's been such a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. Thank you so much for all the wonderful information that you've shared. Um, and we hope to welcome you back again soon. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you. If you've enjoyed today's podcast, then head over to nourish-growcookenjoy.com to find out more about what we do. Fancy trying out some of our super snacks? Just use the code NOURISHINGLIVES at checkout and grab 10% off any order. We look forward to sharing more Nourishing Lives with you next month.